to the Ross Nielsen Therapy Hour with your host, Ross Nielsen, broadcasting live from his mother's basement. Please welcome Ross Nielsen. All right, welcome everybody. Welcome. Uh, this is Ross Nielsen. This is the Ross Nielsen Therapy Hour. Uh, contrary to what my intro says, I'm no longer recording the uh, show in my mother's basement. I have upgraded and I'm now recording the show in my girlfriend's basement in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where I'm currently residing. Um, thanks for tuning in this week. My guest this week is a longtime friend of mine named Sean Burns. Uh, from Winnipeg, Sean is a yet another musician, um, and uh, we managed to sit down and chat a week ago while he was uh, doing a few shows in uh, Saskatoon, and um, I'm just going to read you a little bit of Sean's bio, uh, just just to give you the, the kind of goods. Uh, on his website, uh, Sean Burns, he is just as likely to be found in Calgary, Ottawa, Tofino, or Regina, touring relentlessly from one end of Canada to the other and across the United States. Winnipeg-based singer-songwriter Sean Burns taps into the bittersweet spirit of the road and then spins it his way with a blend of electric and acoustic guitars and a soulful harmonica. Sean's music will resonate with fans of Canadiana, Americana, folk, country, and blues alike. The songs, which hint at influences such as Steve Earle, Bob Dylan, and Johnny Cash, capture the grittiness of the road in the stark, down-to-earth style of an authentic storyteller. Um, all of that is true. I've known Sean for quite a few years. We've met many times on the road uh, when I was road-dogging hard. Sean has been out there nearly the whole time and is still out there doing it. Uh, he goes hard, a lot of integrity. He has literally had a life in music. Um, I don't think he's ever had a, another job. Um, grew up in a musical family and uh, just kind of never let go of it and has uh, has been chasing it ever since. Um, this week's episode is one of, I think it's my favorite of all the podcasts I've done so far. Um, certainly some of the other uh, people I've interviewed may be, you know, more rock star or, or better known, but the core of this interview is what I'm looking for when I do the Therapy Hour podcast. It's real. Uh, we touch on a lot of, uh, of great subjects. Um, we discuss the... Uh, inner workings of the actual music industry um, and when I say that I mean the journeyman's musical industry the one that I uh, have been partaking in the one that Sean partakes in not the record industry not the radio industry um, not your much musics uh, etc the actual touring road dogging non-radio support uh, music industry it is much different than you may uh, perceive it to be and we get into that and we kind of talk about Sean's uh, sort of rise into that and uh, how it has treated him over the years and uh, as a result uh, you get some good conversation and some good insight into uh, the psyche of, of a musician who does that kind of work um, a couple of things about this interview may annoy you I urge you to push through it because it's worth it uh, for whatever reason, one, I had a little bit of digital noise. I don't know where it's coming from. If it was my record player, we were spinning some Springsteen in the background or what, but it, it kind of comes and goes throughout the interview. Two, I had a cold. I had a bit of a man cold, so I'm sniffly throughout the interview. I apologize for that, but I assure you the interview is worth checking out. Um, 
there's the occasional beer cracking open and the rustling of um, a tin of medicinal uh, cookies. So um, sit back, grab yourself a nice cold pop of your choice. This interview is an hour long uh, and then some. And then I'm going to spin one of Sean's tunes that I just love at the end of the show. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sean Burns. All the pints that you drank. No one needs to know that. Okay, um, uh, this is Ross Nielsen. Uh, welcome to the uh, Ross Nielsen Therapy Hour podcast. This week's guest, my dear friend, Sean Burns. Burnsy. Hey, buddy. Um, located in Winnipeg. Nowadays. Mm-hmm. Am I interfering with your tweet? No, you know, I'm just going to stop <coughs> right now and pay attention. You can you can multitask. I won't be offended. No, I think it's rude. <laughs> it is it is rude. I've been actually. trained by my lady at home to put my phone down. My lady's trying to train me, but she's not doing uh she's yeah, it's tough. You're a huge failure. I'm old, right? Yeah. It's hard to train old dogs. Um so okay. Oshawa boy. Yes. L- born and raised. Raised, the yeah. Schwa. Moved to the Schwa when I was quite young. Like from where? I'm born in Kitchener. Oh yeah, yeah. And little known fact: your parents thought it was a good idea to move to Oshawa. My dad lived in Kitchener, and the band he was in at the time lived in Kitchener. So, that's so he was like and, living. And in, like, did the band break up, and he moved to Oshawa? No, he left the band in like <clears throat> late '84 after being on the road for about a year. After I was born in November '83, he did another year. <clears throat> they were doing three month tours. Mostly out here at West. And, yeah. uh, and then I guess he came home and I was like a baby and didn't know who he was. So he said, I better stay home. Do you recognize your dad now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's getting harder and harder as he gets older. Um, but yeah, they moved to Oshawa <clears throat> for my sister was born in 1986 and they've been, they're still there. What, uh, what did your mom do? Uh, at the time, she was raising kids. She was very young. And how did she like... You grew up in a household where your old man was a professional musician. For the most part, there was a, there was a stretch of time when we were young where he had like a factory gig and stopped playing music. Yeah, and it almost was, killed him. I was going to say, how was that? He <laughs> did that until the early '90s, and he got uh, he he started playing guitar again. He 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 quit playing because he thought he couldn't be like halfway in and to be all the way in. Right. And he even avoided listening to music. And he oh. heard music that like really excited him. He was hurting. Dwight Yoakam, Steve Earle, Stevie Ray Vaughan. That stuff blew his mind. He was very careful because he thought it would lead him back to the dark side. It's like the uh, the gateway drug. Yeah. And he got <laughs> sick. He got real sick in the early 90s. And that's when he quit working on the factory gig and went back to playing music. Which what, saved his what life What was he time. sick with, if you don't mind asking? Liver failure. That's a pretty big one. Liver transplant, two liver transplants. He's had two liver transplants. Yeah, see, you say he got two liver transplants, people think, like, he had a liver transplant and then he, like, started really... No, I know. Had a liver transplant, waited five years for liver, and then the liver didn't take, and there was, like, a few more days he waited. It was sort of touch and go. That was in early 98. And meanwhile, we sit with a a collection... It's light beer. It's light beer. It is light beer. It's light Uh, beer. It was on sale. Yeah. What are you going to do? We just ate food. Um, Yeah, we had a nice meal. Mm -hmm. Um... I should say that we're in, in Saskatoon. Saskatoon. Although you reside in Winnipeg these days. So, okay. Which is, but cut you off, though. Saskatoon is where my folks met. We're, okay. So my mom is that's from a, here. A story there's there. a big story there. She's from here. Okay. So your, your mom is a Toontown girl? She's from Saskatoon, yeah. That's amazing. That's why all these, yeah, uh, all these people in my family live here. So she's from here, and my dad played here. Those three-month tours, they would start here. Where was your dad from? 
Scarborough, Ontario, Toronto. It's the Scarborough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Scarborough was like. So your dad's from Scarborough. Joins <clears throat> band. Joins the band. Does three months stints across uh, west. Three three months stints across out west every uh-huh. year. Meets. First two weeks of the tour, Saskatoon. Last two weeks of the tour, Saskatoon. Right, because in those days you would roll in, you'd play a Do joint for like a nights. week or whatever. Yeah, they were popular here in town, so they would close, fit, start and finish the tours here. Nice. So you're in Saskatoon like two and a half, three months of every year. Mm-hmm. There's a band house. There was parties. I guess that's where they met. Interesting. And then she moved to Ontario. Wow. Yeah. That's a rock and roll fairy tale right there. They came home from Saskatoon. I was born in Kitchener. I'm just going to talk now. That's they what were this born. is for. This is, you didn't even know this about me. This is great. So they're in Saskatoon when I was born. My dad's with my mom's family. She's in Kitchener by herself. Has me. Band finishes Saturday night. They drive straight home. Pick me up in the hospital in the band van. Amazing. My mom and the brand new beer. So, She's 20 years okay, old. Okay, let's hold, hold up. Yeah. You came home from the hospital yeah. in your dad's band van. Yeah. So your fate was sealed right, sealed. Out, of the, right out of the fucking gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I come by it honestly then. So, okay. Um, so you end up growing up in Oshawa. Yep. Your dad is still mostly music at this time, or is he off the road at this point? He's off the road from like, I want to say 84 to 92. Oh, so right, so right when you're born. Yeah, I'm born. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, he was around till I was about nine. So years he old. hangs up his rock and roll shoes. Yeah, he, sells everything. He sells it all. He he jobs it out. Yeah, hates life. Hates life. Probably resents you because you're. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's easy. No, <laughs> no, no like you, you, I, I feel like you and your pops are close, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, but that was that was mostly a joke, but. Uh, it could have blew up my face. <laughs> so you moved to Oshawa. You school in Oshawa. When do you pick, when do you pick up an instrument? 97. First year of high school. So you're 13 years old. I rejected playing music the whole time until then. Everyone said, you dad can teach you how to play guitar. Your dad can teach you. I don't want to be like my dad. Were you aware at that point your dad was a badass guitar player? Yeah. Well, I just was very aware of his commitment. Would he play around the house at all? He would be learning songs. Yeah. And not like learning form and like and then going from there it was like note for note note for note all the time even when it was sort of you know he joined a band and he learned everything note for note and the guy would say originals i haven't heard the solo since the record yeah you know um okay so you're 13 what finally compelled you to get over your i don't want to be like my dad and and get a uh a guitar was that your first thing not a bass no uh you play i play bass. bass this is my original thing which is like probably one of my stronger things in life. But uh, I went to high school and everyone played music and most of them were terrible. <laughs> like 13 year old kids playing Nirvana songs. I was one stuff. of those guys. Yeah, well I became one. But I was like, these guys are shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can be this bad tomorrow and be in a, and be in a band. <laughs> and I went home and I, I was like, at first I was afraid and then I was like, someone home said, I want to play bass. My dad was pumped. Yeah, because he's Cause like, I was sweet, like, I got a bass player. I don't have to pay for you to play hockey anymore? Teach your sister to play drums. <laughs> yeah, I got a band. <laughs> so he, he was smart because he you know, was a kid, and he said, well, I'll call a bass player, and he can lend you a bass, and yeah. if you don't like it, then it's no, no sweat. So up until then, you were sporty jockey, right? Like yeah, I played hockey, jockey. yeah, big time hockey. I, lo- I loved music and wanted to play guitar when I was like seven or eight, nine years old. I'd goof around. I never learned anything, but I loved... Music loved bass players. Mm-hmm. Loved the whole bass vibe players. of a bass player. Remember, there was this like I forget what there was this something on TV and it was like a 
the first part was this Harry Chapin thing that's blown away. And there's some other like blues rock thing, and there's bass players like the most, coolest guy. You realize most people are like, yeah, is this thing on TV is like Kiss. No, it was like, Harry, no, Chapin. Harry Chapin. Harry Chapin singing Taxi, and I was like nine, like this is awesome. Wow. Yeah, and uh, uh, and then I sort of played hockey and didn't and didn't want to be like my dad, right? Right. And so yeah. so you're doing some sports, you're doing you're learning to play guitar. It's like high school. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, you know you're you're killing the ladies because you're a jock and a guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, so, a- any crazy like any any pivotal moments musically speaking from like you know you get a guitar to the time you graduate, or is that just like going through that part of your life as most people do, where it's like you know you you learn a thing and it's like the start of that thing. It's not like. I had this massive moment where I knew I had to play guitar for the rest of my life. Um, I knew I loved playing bass right away. I was like very into it and very interested in learning. I got a guitar given to me. I think I told you this the other day. I got a guitar given to me at Christmas. Yes. When I was maybe 15 or 16. And that's when I started playing guitar. I love the little beer opening. So. <laughs> I was trying not to. <laughs> try not to pin it. It's, sen- it's super sensitive sometimes. I uh, got that guitar and that's what sort of when I get became interested in like singing songs and like right. playing guitar to like were you writing songs then or just learning yeah I was writing there? songs probably probably like 16, 17 terrible songs do you remember the like can you tell me the name of one of your early songs no <laughs> <laughs> we wrote songs in the first band I was in which was like 90, 99 there's yeah. a recording somewhere what are you like 15 then or something? I'm like I'm like 15 not quite 16 the name of the band was No Apparent Reason nice nice uh, punk rock band tell me it was spelled N-O-A-H no no it was uh, <laughs> apparent and oh apparent reason yeah and uh, but uh, I did some gigs that my dad was on yeah um, and some of them the, the first one was at that age like 15, 16 16 Halloween 2000 in Ottawa and I, I remember I made a, I remember I made $140. So your dad's come back to playing music by this He's time. He's back to music like mid-90s. And are you realizing now that maybe your dad is kind of cool? Yeah, well, especially because you see the way other people think of it. And like, other oh, people you think are cool. Like, your dad's really cool. And I'm like, my dad's cool? Yeah, wait a second. And uh, I remember there was a band he was in. They had this Halloween show. They had been broken up. It was like this big Halloween show. No bass player. And my dad's like, I think the kid can... I came home from school and he said can you play The Devil Went Down to Georgia you think I was like I don't know he showed me the riff the thing I was like yeah I could do that I did it and he called the band leader I got the gig um, and that was like the first time but then so then this is 2000 Halloween February 2001 was like did you dress up for Halloween games? no I never do yeah. I never I ne- never do <laughs> stick in the mud February 2001 my dad's doing a duo with this Guy Wade Mosher, who's produced record for me, played a lot of stuff. Lives in Oshawa, real talented guy. Yep. Um, he has this duo gig at the Simcoe Hotel in Barrie, Ontario, which is a like old, old school hotel bar, like pretty gritty. And uh, my dad had played there with country bands over the years. I'm not, I'm not playing there anymore. I don't need to do this. He's, he's but like, Sean can do it. <laughs> the, Seventeen. The, now, okay. Right? Why do you think? Why, why is it he at that point would be like? I don't need to do this now, but the kid can do it. The kid needs to do this. Maybe it was a... <clears throat> for the exact reason of what happened is the long story... I don't want to really get really into it because I just mentioned Wade's name and I don't want to... <laughs> but I remember there was a moment... I'll tell you later. <laughs> can edit. There was a moment where I woke up in this bed in this terrible room 
Like and a band room. He used three beds in a room with a sink. It was a shared bathroom. It was disgusting. It was like old guys drinking themselves to death down the hallway. Mm-hmm. It's February. Like every band room. Like in every band room in Canada. Yeah, the windows are like glued shut, and the heat's cranked, and we have no control over it. And it's Love it's, that. it's terrible. And uh, uh, there might have been someone else in the room too. And I remember waking up and being like, uh, uh, "Is this what it's like to play music?" Full, like is this really what it's like I'm making not very good money this is a terrible place like I was in over my head I should probably shouldn't have been ex- exposed to that kind of environment mm-hmm. at that age and where I was mentally what do you mean somebody else might have been in the room too well I didn't have anyone else in there <laughs> so it, 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 that someone wasn't in the band yeah gotcha. <laughs> and I'm like uh, is this really what it's like like is this really what it's like like, like shitty band room yeah you know some groupie being annoying yeah. you know you're a kid a kid you wake up and have this revel like this moment of, yeah where you either look at that accept that for what it is and and go with it or you mm-hmm. look at that accept it for what it is and run yeah like I I will never forget the way I felt like is this what you're gonna do and I sort of felt like now's your chance and you're what 17, 17. 18, 17. just 17 right it's like Now's your chance to decide where else to go with your life. Is this really what you want to do? Because I knew if, if I said I was going to do it, I was going to do it. Yeah. And, I, and then I just was like, yeah, of course. Like, Of course. No, of course. Naturally. Like, it's not always going to be like this, yeah. is it? And, yeah. But like, yeah. And it's, and it's, I mean, in all honesty, jokes aside, it's not. No. No. That's but the, when you're on the road for a long time, sometimes there's places. I mean, the, in my experience of touring Canada, the rooms are often like that. You know, yep. Shitty, shitty rooms and stuff. But more often than not, the band, uh, in my experience afterwards, you know, maybe you'd go to a house party in town or something. Yep. But more often than not, we're back at the room having a couple of drinks, watching TV. Yeah. Like, it's it's not the cliche that, that... That was the big one of the big things for me. It was like, when I first started touring hard, I was like... You know, you have moments where it's like, oh, it was a wicked party. Yeah. But that's that was far and few between for us. And more often than not, it was like, it's not the cliche. And it's like, oh, well, this is not the rock and roll dream that I no. know, was anticipating. You know, but people still think that that's what's happening. Oh, of course. Even not. We played there every six weeks for like the next year. That or same so. place. Yeah, we'd always. And I remember we would buy uh, uh, buy cans of beer usually for the room, mm-hmm. and we'd leave them under this dresser sort of thing with the TV on top and or behind the bed and you come back six weeks later it's still, still there. there still there I once found in a uh, in a band room um, one of the sketchiest band rooms in uh, Canada that I will leave nameless for respect to the bar but uh, same kind of behavior I was uh, we you know we're creatures of habit every every band hotel we would always Carl would take the same room I would take the same room yeah. every single time and the new guy would get Whatever, 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 whatever the new guy wanted to sleep. Yeah. And I remember one time moving some stuff around in my room, and I went to push a, a lamp back into the corner. I picked it up and pushed it over, and there's a little teeny bag of Coke underneath the lamp. And I was like, oh, someone's got a little stash for when yeah. they would come up here on set break or whatever, local uh-huh. band or something like that. Anyway, it was, it was that's the same sort of thing. It's like stash that under there. No one would ever know. Yeah, at the time though, it was like th- there was nothing invested for me. Uh, it was like I was just trying to be a bass player. Yeah, I wasn't singing songs that I wrote or like, you know, trying to connect. Trying to learn like, a craft. I was just like trying to. I was almost. just yeah. I was just like an apprentice. Yeah, and uh, it was like the first ten years were the hardest years. 
as a bass player. That's 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 the my joke. What's the hardest <laughs> thing about playing bass? First ten years. <laughs> Why is that? Like what? What's, I don't know. What do you mean by that? What's hard about it? I mean, Especially when you're young, I think uh, it's a big generalization, but like, like the role out. of a bass player. Yeah. And it's not all, you know, the glory is not in being flashy. The glory is in like lay, laying it down. 100%. That's your and job. And I mean, I remember there's times with, with Wade in that duo where I, th- I would be playing and I was thinking like, I'm fucking, I got this. I'm holding I this together this. right now. And we go back to the room and he'd be like, um, what do you think that was? Like, what was that? Uh, and said, if you're going to play fills why don't you play fills that make sense and you should never play fill and old habits by Hank Williams Jr like shut up uh, the last guy I had in the band that was your age is way better than you um, <laughs> like all of too. those things that like I run into young guys now that have never had that it was like oh no I gotta go up to the room on the set break and, get, and, practice. and, and, and be told that I'm terrible yeah and there's not a lot of way there's not a lot of like it was like you're awful you suck it was not like do this and you won't be shitty. Like it's like it, it was. It was. It was really a. Uh, it was an eye-opening thing. You're like, yeah. wow, I, I'm terrible. I got to get my shit together. And it's like there's there's. Uh, I shouldn't say there's none of that, but there's not much of that left now. Now I find that young kids, uh, they're not. They don't have someone doing that. And I mean, maybe that sounds harsh that someone did that to you. But mm-hmm. because of that, because of Wade and because of how he, how hard he was on you, yep. you pulled your socks up and you practiced and you made oh, sure yeah. the next gig you knew that song inside and out so you didn't have to have that happen again and feel like that again. And I don't think there are many people doing that, saying that to kids nowadays. Like No, but I don't think that kids these days, everyone gets a trophy, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. I, I'm only 32 exactly. and I didn't live, I didn't grow up that way. No one says... Uh, you sucked tonight. Yeah. Don't suck tomorrow night. I'm, I mean, he wasn't... And Wade was just, like, still pretty gentle compared to some of the other guys that were older and crustier. Oh, yeah. That were just, like, just rip you apart yeah. into tears. Yeah, and I've you're like some uh, some stories. But I, I, I really appreciate all that stuff now. At the time, it was really hard. And there's no, there's only... There's very few of those people that I... I, I uh, some of them I won't play music with, yeah. but I'll still gladly see socially. There's very few that I don't have any interest in being around as a human being. Right. But, you know, for the most part, it was like they they were trying to get you to where you needed to be. Yeah, a, a cruel mentor, so to speak. Big time. Like, but I had a long leash, and I learned a lot. And I've, I'll play bass sometimes still, and always remember those things. Don't play that fill. <laughs> of course. If you're going to start that fill, it should go here. <laughs> yeah. And do you really need to play that fill? And it's like, yeah, is this needed? Yeah. Is this required, or is that ego? Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing that like we had talked earlier. It was like, it's, it's, uh, that's gone. You have to be a little more delicate with people when you should be able to just say, be as direct and blunt as possible. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's what, everyone that I know that is sort of more accomplished or like a, has had someone be too hard on them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I remember playing with one drummer in particular who was, I was, ironically, I was playing bass at the time, believe it or not. And uh, it was a very short stint as a bass player, but I learned so much about how a song works and how a band works. Mm-hmm. And he was a really great drummer. And he would ride me all night long, even between songs. He would lean over and he'd be like, hey, you're rushing. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, can you yeah. like settle down? And he would just be on me all the time. Like, oh, God. But I was like, <laughs> I was 21 maybe, and I didn't know how to play bass. I still don't know how to play bass. But then I really didn't know. I didn't understand the function, as you said yep. earlier, what a bass player's role was. Yep. Now, as a guitar player, in a, in a you know, more often than not a power trio, it's... Very Huge. obvious to me what a bass player's role yeah. is. You know, it's super important. 
But yeah, I, I can remember being uh, being on that, and I remember uh, like traveling with a, a young guy and and kind of being on him. I don't think I like to think I wasn't as hard as way was on you, but you know I can remember at the end of the show we'd go back to the hotel room and I'd be like, you know, you did <laughs> kind of that passive aggressive thing. I was like, you did, you know, this song was really good, but you know, in this song like you're Russian, and I I remember the defeated and deflated look about him when he would like. Just like shut up, <laughs> yeah. you know. No, but it, I think it's it's important, especially if you're fronting a band. You need your band to sound a certain way. I also remember singing and playing, which which is really hard. Which is always super hard. Now I, I especially I go, bass, like yeah, lines and stuff while singing. That's yeah, if I'm playing a certain style of music, I I'm real confident in singing and playing. But there, I remember drummer Tim, who's been my guy in Toronto since yeah, I yeah. was a kid that I've played with, and him being like, uh, your bass playing goes to total shit when you sing. Like you can't play eighth notes and sing, uh, and, and it just sounds terrible. You're terrible to play with. It's awful. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe it is. Like, I, I got to get it together. Yeah, it's hard. I remember playing because I was, even before that, I was doing like solo acoustic shows mm-hmm. and terrible stuff. But when I switched to bass, the singer and guitar player still wanted me to sing backups on a few things. I couldn't do it. Yep. I was like, oh, yeah, I know, I know that tune. And I, I, like, I literally couldn't get... I either couldn't get, <laughs> couldn't get words out while I was playing, or I couldn't make my hand play while I was singing. And I remember that breakthrough moment where it was like they came together, and it was like I just like went for it, and I knew one part well enough that I didn't have to think about it, and I could think about the other part. It was a that's tough, man. It's still hard to sing and, and play at the same time. I see some guys do it, and I'm like, oh, well, there's guys that can really pull it off. I, I mean, I I did it last week. Uh, I had to, I like I did a I hosted this open mic for my buddy Judd in Regina. And I was like, yeah. by the end of it, I was playing bass and singing songs, and I was like, I was like, yeah, man, like, uh, I'm not as good at this as I as I once was. But there's some people, when I hire a bass player, because I hire so many of them, it's nice. Uh, <laughs> it's nice when they show up and they can sing too. It's like it seems like when I grew up coming up in that in that world with those gigs and and those bands, it's like all the bass players were serviceable musicians that sang. They all could sing harmony. Yeah, well, I mean, in those days, <clears throat> I might be out of shot, so. In those days, more often than not, bands had like three, four part harmonies. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lost thing now. Like it is. you see bands now uh, that do it, and it's a novelty now when a band comes out and there's like four people singing, there's like, right away you're, you're yeah. like, holy shit, these guys have something going on. That's what separates people and bands 100% you think of the band yeah you think of the Eagles I mean we were recently talking about the Eagles mm-hmm. many people hate on them but when you watch that 70s material and they're in the back dressing room and they're like five of them singing it's undeniable it's and so great the 70s stuff it, uh, those bands were like great players and great bands they go into the studio and they, and they do all the stuff and they're all singing they're all playing and it's really good yeah and they all had it together it's like the, that was the standard yeah. That has since disappeared. Oh, and that's listen. why it shouldn't be listen. a big deal when you see three guys in out of four. Or four guys of four singing. It's yeah. like, it doesn't matter if you like the band or not, or their music, but, you know. And there's some bands in Winnipeg, man, that, like, that that have that going on. It's really nice to see that. Go yeah. see these bands. You're like, wow, all these guys sing. Yep. And they're all good. 100%. I, uh... Yeah, I, I'm always... Uh, being a fan, obviously, I'm a guitar player, so I love guitar. Mm-hmm. But... First and foremost, I'm a lover of songs, good songs, yeah. good lyrics. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have to have a voice to deliver good songs and lyrics. Yeah. So I love the, the human voice and, and the layering. I'm 
super into uh, a band called Dawes right now. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's sibling harmonies. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's, you know, I don't know if it's a, a lost thing, but you were saying like that, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing you, but like the dumbing down of, the, of that quality <clears throat> of, uh, well, really of everything. The quality of musicianship, the quality of songwriting, the quality of performance. It's all gone. Carl, uh, my, my uh, drummer and dear friend, Carl Gans, we, we were talking when Prince died. It was like, so what, what's happened now is you have <clears throat> a shift in the meaning of words in the English language. So great no longer means great. Great means good. Yeah. Good no longer means good. Good means all right. Mm -hmm. You know, and so on and so forth. So when you see awesome or when you see excellence, what truly is excellent, and for me, the, what drove this home for me was like seeing Prince. I was reminded what truly greatness is. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, right. That's what that is. Yeah. And then you go see all these other bands and everyone's like, oh, there's such a, that's an amazing band. And you go and see them and it's like, no, that's not amazing. It's good. Yeah. And that's, that's, to me, that's what's, you know, Carl calls it something to the effect of the, the parade of okayness. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some great lines, Carl. <clears throat> yeah. But it's true. I mean, you have so much um, volume of output music. Everyone's able to make a record in there on the computer yeah. and blah 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 and everyone's able to fix their mistakes on their computer yeah. too and everyone's put a little video on YouTube mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and, and it's there where is the greatness anymore well, where is it it's, it's, it's like it seems like <clears throat> it's more about perception than it is about the actual product 100% like I can post I can post my 35 day tour online and people are going to say Wow, this guy's got all these gigs. I'm like, you know what though? Like, maybe there's three people at my gig on a Monday. There's a guy from Winnipeg and a, a, a band that really on the rise. And I saw their dates, and I was like, hey, how was your show? You know, in San Francisco. He's like, oh, it was great. There was five people there, uh, but it was a great show. And I was like, oh yeah, you. It it looks yeah. like yeah. you know. And I think that <clears throat> that's all like the way you, things are now. Talking about perception, I, I I couldn't agree more. I found uh, one of the on that exact note is the the opposite of that is when they when they don't own up to it and it's like you see them post on Facebook or whatever it's like great show in Germany last night or great yeah. show in New York City and you know there's three or four people <laughs> yeah. there maybe and like this, what a great crowd and but they're they're not honest and you know when I was touring I I, I never wanted to lead people astray if I posted it was a great show. Uh, my, I, I would rather than convey that sentiment. I would post, you know, only a few people out last night, but we had a great time playing. Yeah. That's honesty. At least totally. people really know what's going on, because otherwise you get home and your friends and family think that you're some fucking rock star uh, who's got this great touring career, and, and meanwhile you're like, can I buy Mr. Noodle today, or can yeah. I buy Craft Dinner today? I need I need guitar strings. And you can't. Yeah, I need guitar strings. Yeah. And you go and like pill for one off of an old guitar that's yeah. not broken. <laughs> like that's that's the the actual reality versus the perceived reality. And people don't want to know that or see that. And like, if you're that honest, it's it's like, you, there's judgment. And it's like that's not the way it should be. I should yeah. be able to be like that. So I just, yeah, I'll just avoid, I'll avoid lying. If there's a great night, and there's lots of great nights, and there's more great nights now than there was last year and the year before, but like, For sure. you know. Yeah. No, I think that's the right thing to do, and I don't, I don't think it matters whether you're a musician or on a pizza joint 
or polish shoes, whatever. It's true. You know, it's like don't don't say you are something you are not. Mm-hmm. Don't put out the facade of of being this amazing business when when you're struggling. People appreciate struggle. Yeah. Every single fucking person has struggled. Very few people know what it's like to be a rich rock star uh, playing to thousands of people a night. Yeah. Like not very many people in the world of the history of the world know that. So that's not what people can relate to. People can relate to the other end of that, which is like the hardship, the struggle, the difficulty of it all. Hopefully, anyways. But I, which makes me confused what what it is about that lie that people enjoy. And I guess maybe they want to be, they want to be fooled. They want to be swept away to a fairy tale and see that that exists. Well, that's the way that they want to feel when they come see the show, right? Is you want to like be given the show and be given the romance of what it is mm-hmm. that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's hard to be really... And also, it's like, well, you do, you have a job that you love to do, which is amazing. That it, And, you know, amazing that... Because so many people that come and see you play don't have jobs that they love to do. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like... It's like, well, you should struggle. Yeah. You should struggle because you get to do something that you like to do. Uh, I don't know. I'm very grateful that this is this is what I've gotten to do. You, and you know, and I and you're like, happy. This is what you're struggling at. Yeah, yeah, and because they don't want to, because you can really see the progress, and it's different all the time. <clears throat> it's measurable. Yeah, and it's different all the time. They mean you get to go different places. That is one of the the, the amazing things about it is being able to uh, play, especially in the summertime when the festivals hit. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to play for like two thousand people one night and just doing it, rocking yep. it, like everything about it is the way it should be you want, it, you want it to be and then the next night you play to 20 people in a house concert you got but you got it's 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 you, you realize like a, I was one tour when we had this this just real great run of shows every night really good and, and then you hang out after the show a bunch of house concerts and some good club shows and then you're like yeah that's why like famous bands that play in huge places that's why you see these guys with like big alcohol and drug problems is because right. you got to maintain that high yeah. it's like and and <clears throat> once the people leave the room it's like you're still then, then going what? then yeah. what and you need yeah. to just keep going and it's yeah. like uh, you know but then yeah yeah, yeah. I remember reading uh, an article uh, on Jimmy Page when they did the Madison Square Garden run when they were shooting I think song means the same or something and he said that very thing he said we would get so amped up from the show and there's so many people and it's just an amazing experience and then afterwards you know you have like a few hours of downtime post show and then maybe some editing for the video and stuff and then you could get a few hours sleep if you could get to sleep yeah but i can't get to sleep and then i have to be up and do more film work mm-hmm. so it gets into this like vicious perpetual motion where you okay i can't sleep and then oh i have to be up oh, mm-hmm. i have to be up like, <laughs> i don't feel like being up i'm yeah. gonna have to have an assist but yeah, it's he, definitely it, dangerous. The mental preparation of, of like an athlete, of like, uh, you know, going into the show as yeah. like a hockey player, football player, like getting ready to go and go out there and do yeah. it. And then the end of it, you're like, but you're just vibrating. Yeah, pumped. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that, but that feels good. It, it's, you know, then you come down and it's, it's hard. Yeah. It can be really hard. It's definitely a long learning process to, to figure out how to navigate that up and down extreme and, mm-hmm. and make it, uh, Functionable for you and be able to deal with it so that it doesn't like control you. Mm-hmm. you know? That's tough. 
Okay, okay. We digressed a little bit. <laughs> let's, That's what we do. Let's go back to uh, a few years. Okay, so you did the Simcoe for like a year. You're late. You're getting out of your teens. Yeah. You're you're just about old enough to drink legally in a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you at this point? You're still in the schwa, obviously. Yeah, still, schwa. still gigging with the same band. Gigging with gigging with bands, getting calls for. Country cover bands. Mm-hmm. Still playing um, bass. Playing bass. Only playing bass. Like, didn't play guitar in public till a little later than that. Uh, especially for money. But uh, I was uh, 18, the first time I went on the road with a rock band. Was that Female. Adam, Adam? No, it was oh. called Super Chick. Super Chick. Super Chick. And we did the hits of the day. And also, the, the she was a great... Julie was her name. She was a great rock singer. So, like, she did songs like... Journey, Led Zeppelin, Janice nice. Joplin, Beefy. Uh, and then like Pink, No Doubt, Biff Naked, all this kind of shit, right? And uh, I maybe sang one song a night, badly, yeah. very badly. <laughs> badly. And uh, we were on the road, like Northern Ontario, like a lot Ooh. in Northern Ontario, and then in Toronto, a lot of gigs in Toronto and that. And then the drummer Tim was in that band, and Julie and I, and a different guitar player, uh, did a cruise ship gig when I was 19. In the, With that band? Yeah, changed the name and different guitar player. He had the connection. He had done the screw yeah. ship thing before, so we went out and did that. I was nineteen. We went and did that. And what was that like compared to road touring? Well, I was in way, in way over my head, like uh, uh, maturity wise. Like yeah, everyone there was just like out of college. All the young, all the people my age, young people were out of college, and I hadn't graduated high school. <laughs> I'd been kicked out of a couple of high schools and didn't finish. And you didn't graduate. I graduated, and when I got back, I had, I had only needed a couple courses. I promised my mom I'd graduate. Good call. Uh, I needed a couple courses, correspondence course, graduated, and then two days later we went and did another cruise ship gig. Nice. Yeah, and I did that. Uh, you know, with the, these bands for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so cruise ships did the. So at what point? Uh, okay, I know you were in a band called Adam's Rib. I, I did two tours with Adam's Rib. That was like a rite of passage being in Toronto. Okay, so playing how, Derek's band. How, where, where does that happen in the... In Adam's the, Rib happens in 2007. So, um, so from about 2003-2007, I'm like bass player for hire with this agency and various cruise ship bands. Okay, so and you did I, a number of cruise ships? Lots bands? of ships, yeah, oh. over, over the course of a bunch of years. <clears throat> different bands, a lot of different bands. And, uh, and I come home and do the... like. Do the cover band stuff, do some duos, play with Wade Musher, do my, you know, do the country band thing. Mm-hmm. And that's other Ontario. There's a lot of those gigs at the time. And uh, and then met Derek in Barcelona uh, and hung out. And his bass player was leaving at the end you, of his contract. You met a dude from Toronto. I mean, in Barcelona. A dude from Toronto yeah. in Barcelona. Ran we ran into him in Miami and then we ran into him again a few weeks later in Barcelona. And it was like, we got along. Went out, had some food, some drinks. I have a bunch of people and got the gig. We were both ending the cruise ship contract in the fall. Go back to Toronto, need a bass player. And he works, like he still works all the time. Yeah, yeah. We, he's, a, he's a grinder. The Bastards and I actually opened for him at McNally's uh, for Adam's Rib, like yeah. at, I don't know, two or three years ago or whatever. Um, yeah, I th- and I think at that point it was like, I don't know if you texted me or he's texted something about like Bernsey or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did, we did like a. Tour from Toronto to, I think we just went as far as Edmonton. Yeah, and there was some really there was some really interesting routing like uh, Saskatoon to Winnipeg to Regina, mm. like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday kind of thing. Very nice. Um, Brutal. He, I did learn about like like yourself is like 
about playing every night, like yeah. making sure that the band plays every night, even if you're not making enough money for yourself, you, yeah. you got to pay the guys. Yeah, the band. And you got to sleep and you got to eat and you, you know you need gas. So he was really good at that. And then we did a tour of the Maritimes, which was <laughs> probably not as good. He yeah. probably lost more money there. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, and that was it. I did I did a few months with him in 2007. And is that when you started doing your own stuff after that? 2008 is when I started like making uh, being solo acoustic guitar player. Rap harmonica dude. Yeah, I started playing harmonica a little bit in the in the in the in the spring. Yeah, it would have been eight years ago now. I, I remember so so roughly the same time that when I hit the road because I, I think we started touring uh, across Canada in the fall of 2008. I'm gonna say maybe yeah, maybe the summer or spring of 2008 at some point. My first trip was uh, summer 2010 with oh. Sean Burns. I had like. Done the did some more cruise ship stuff, but yeah. did the solo gig, which was when I was in the band. I had my eye on the solo gig. You had your own room, you got more money. You yeah. didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, rooming with someone in a bunk bed or like some, you know. Just is it so through all this stuff, through all the cruise ships, all these cover gigs, is that you have like a vast repertoire of cover tunes, uh-huh. both great and terrible yeah. songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that where you picked all that stuff up? Just jobbing? Jobbing and every band had, you know, uh, here's like the 30 or 40 songs that you'll have to do right away and then here's the 30 or 40 that we might do. Right. And then on those gigs there's like certain theme nights. It's like some of the bands were a little better. It was like, you know, there's like 15 jazz standards and there's like you know, 20 rock and roll songs and 20 country songs. Like, And some of there's a lot of overlap, but there's also, you know, I played in one band where the guy was like, sang like Journey and Led Zeppelin and, and all the classic rock stuff. He had a great voice. It was like, okay, yeah, this is fun. And other bands were more, you know, schmaltzy garbage. And and, uh, and playing solo, I had no business being playing solo. Why? I, I had no, I was 24 and I was really stupid <laughs> and I knew 85 songs yeah I had had a lot of time to prepare I made sure I knew a few songs by everyone that I thought it was important in mm-hmm. a pub you know so it was like Cat Stevens Paul Simon America Neil Diamond an American audience was a little different right and then you know someone on Monday night says do you know this song and you're like yeah no but like tomorrow yeah come back and I'll make sure I know it yeah and that happens for a year or two years and then all of a sudden you're like this list is like 500 tunes and yeah. like some of them I only played twice but like yeah I can do it yeah and so that was like the real breeding ground and then you know I sort of understood songs I wrote songs in those days but I would never play them I don't remember what they're like was, now but I was gonna ask you what uh, <clears throat> what you gain from I mean obviously there's pros and cons to learning a bazillion songs. Mm-hmm. Not all the songs are going to be up your alley. But right. You got to learn them anyways, and you got to do the job, and you got to go out and sell it. But what did you? What like positive? What did you take from learning that many songs? How did that shape your own uh, interest in songs in general and writing? I think subconsciously you get a uh, a much better sense of arrangement because you're playing popular music too, yeah. right? Where there's a, a huge emphasis songs. on yeah, like three three and a half minute songs. Some of them, unless you're doing. You know, some folk songs that are... American Pie. Yeah, yeah, or something <laughs> like that. It's like, so there's that uh, sense of arrangement, and, and, and I think was a big a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, after a while, I couldn't... I went The last time I went out and did it, I was I was no longer going to 
I was doing whatever I wanted to do. And if you didn't like it, then you didn't have to be there. And that's probably, that, that's that not was, a good attitude that was to a have. cruise ship? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a good attitude for anyone. But if you can pull it off. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I've that, always found that yeah. people find you. You know, it's like, I remember, I'd be pretty ambitious. I would do, like, uh, The Ghost of Tom Joad. And be like, fuck, here it is. This is a yeah. great song. And then someone would love, see you walking in some Caribbean town. Like, You're that guy that played that song. It was like a John Prine song or something. Like, yeah. And then you find it's those like, people oh, and they come to like, you. Oh, and that was listening. A, yeah. And that was like, okay, I can go and do what yeah, I want to do. People are appreciating these good. And there's, those people are there. Yeah. And, the, and those, those are the people that will come see you play. Yeah. And we'll... And, will go with you while you're recording albums and, and then, you know, yeah. tell you, like, yeah. it's getting better or mm-hmm. they'll stick with you. Yeah. It's that old mentality, right? Like, sign a band and give them a five-album deal. See where it goes. Yeah. That, well, that doesn't happen anymore. But there's people... I mean, I, I sometimes I feel like I'm telling just telling myself that. But there's people that we, will do that. But we are. I mean, we're all... We both have We're all doing things. that independently now. We're yeah. Not just... I mean, we all, you and I, but also... The majority of the music scene mm-hmm. anywhere is now doing that independently. It's like you give yourself like a five album deal and see yeah. where it goes. And you did it enough times. It's like there's like Ken and, and Linda and Courtney. It's like they yeah. saw me play on my first tour in 2010. And, you know, five years later, I play at their house. I'm going to play there again in the fall. Yeah. It's like every time I'm in the area, he's there. Yeah. If I'm not playing, like yeah. I hook up and have lunch. It's like great people. Those are the, the that that's sort of really what keeps it going, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what motivates you to keep going. And hopefully you do something that they're going to like again. Yeah. Or at least, you know. And and like funny enough, or, or maybe it's not funny, I don't know. Those are the good gigs. They are. Like places like, like Ken and Linda's house and Courtney, mm-hmm. it's like... Now, Ken and Linda are going to be like getting inundated with emails. <laughs> yeah, like, the big blue house. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Like, that's one of the sweet gigs on Vancouver Island for us. The people are amazing. They buy CDs. They yep. have, they're respectful. They listen. They have a good time. Yeah. It's like, it's a dream gig. And now, so everything's turned on its head now. It's all like, it's almost like so far back and like so far ahead, it's behind itself again. Because yes. House concerts are really like, kind of like a modern uh, juke you know where mm-hmm. in the old days people would go to a juke joint it was like somebody's shack and they would all just come and bring their bottle of shine or whatever and Bernsey would be in the corner playing the piano or something or some dude right yeah it's the, it's the modern version of that but well, those are the good gigs like yeah, for and me they'd get drunk and drive home and that happens a lot less now so you get people from the neighborhood <laughs> yeah. and it's like they, and you yeah, gotta they, do that at home they or you, you, know, you wanna see a show but you don't wanna go to a bar yeah. and have someone yeah. Be like that person, but I cut you off about seeing the posters when you first when we first come come. Oh, you dying to know what I was going to say about that? Yeah, I well, I was curious what what time frame you started torn solo because I remember we started two thousand eight, and at some point, you know, when you're touring, as you know, back and forth, back and forth, you see the, the, the people yeah. who are road dogging. Mm-hmm. There's not many. There's like a handful that come to mind. You know, you at at any one time, any one two year stretch, there's probably you could count on one hand the amount of people that are really road dogging. They drop off more and more every year. They do, yeah. And uh, and I remember seeing your poster. The bathtub. The bathtub. You in the suit with the rack harmonica and the yeah. bathtub with the acoustic guitar. And I remember when I went, who the fuck is Sean Burns? Yeah. And, uh, you know, because he always wonders. Like, yeah. I, I remember seeing 
your poster. I remember seeing back then Andrew Molo's poster. I was just gonna say Brock Seaman, Brock Seaman, uh, Sean Ashby, Andrew Molo, Ross Nielsen, the Seven yeah, Bastards, Doc McLean. I would see his posters all the yeah. time. Those those yeah, those that, groups. That was like the. We and in hindsight, we all should have been on a bus together doing that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everyone doing the same yeah. gigs, we, trying to get we the same thing. Literally, like you know, we'd roll in and we play the Apollo. Oh, who was here last night? Oh, Sean Ashby. Who's here tomorrow night? Sean Burns. Like mm-hmm. ships in the night kind of thing. And it took forever. And some of those people I still haven't met face to face. You were saying you Brock? Yeah. I, I've never met Brock face to face. Never met Andrew face to face. I only met Sean Ashby last last year, two years ago. Just. Because we played the same festival, um, after years of, of being on his heels touring, and then I remember being at the Apollo one time in Thunder Bay and Sheila Rock giving us the lowdown on this guy named Sean Burns, and she is she, <laughs> she wasn't even wasn't even I don't think one word about your music that was even mentioned. It was just how you destroyed a band that played there. Uh, it might have been like the F hole. It was the F holes. The F holes. It was the who you play. Who are now. my guys? Yeah. yeah, you know the guys I play with a lot. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh, you gotta watch it," because I think I was telling her. I don't know if at that point you had approached me about doing an opening slot when we were in Ottawa or somewhere. Maybe. And uh, and she was like, "You watch out for that guy." He came in like, blooming like a tornado. All I know is the next day the band was like hurting. Like you took him down. Hurting. We were well seasoned on the road. That was the end of our trip. It was like the last week. We drove in from Minnedosa, Manitoba, which is, you know, two and a half hours from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So we, we drove 11, 10 and a half hours, 11 hours. Got there. The F-holes were there. We were playing with them the next day. We were watching hockey on the computer at the bar. We had met in Calgary before, and we rolled in, and I was ready to go. <laughs> ready to roll. And we crushed those boys, and they, and they can hang. They're from Winnipeg. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we knocked them down hard. And the next <laughs> night they played. They went on the radio, uh, the the Lakehead University, and I remember them, uh, Burnsy. And, uh, and we were loving it. We were yeah. loving it. But we have been on the road for three months. Like, yeah. You know, the Weathered. point where we're not talking to each other. Oh, yeah. The and silent 10-hour yeah, Oh, yeah. And then you hear, and then Alex, the sound guy at Apollo, recorded the set, and you hear it, and you're like, we're a tight band. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a tight band. Yeah. Um, but that's you know months, months of every time. night. Yeah. That's like the so five the, nights a week. Yeah, the disdain for one another, and yeah, you, know, you run into Ethel's five piece band. Yeah, it's great. It breaks it up. There's there's eight of us having a good time. We jammed all night that night. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, it's an adventure. Anyway, we so we uh, had this conversation with Sheila, and then it wasn't like it would have been another year for sure. Where we were playing the Patricia in Vancouver, and you came in with uh, Mano from uh, yeah, just last time I saw you guys. And, uh, yeah, I think that was, I was like, and I never knew what to expect because Sheila had built up this, like, legendary uh, wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, like, Carl and I were. Yeah, we, well, yeah. We, we considered ourselves professionals in more ways than music. Yeah. So it, it was like, oh, you keep up on our toes, you know, but I, think, I don't know what happened that night where we stayed, but it wasn't there. Cause, no, did we stay there? It was so sketchy, the Patricia. It was like one Patricia? step. The Pat? Was that what it's called? The Pat Patricia Hotel? I feel like maybe, yeah. It's like one step this way, you were in East Hastings, and one step that way, you weren't. There's rooms upstairs where you yeah, guys stayed. Yeah, I feel like And it was like one of those old, like, it had a, it was a door to the rooms with yeah. a key, like yeah. a key, and it was Super like this sketchy. glass sort of, uh, yeah, it looked like shit. And you, you went and stayed at Manos that night. I stayed with my, my uncle in Surrey. Oh, 
Nice. Which is like the uh, Oshawa version, yeah. British Columbia. It's the Flint, Michigan of Canada. I played in Surrey a couple times. Terrible. Gross. <laughs> but yeah, I saw you guys play there, and then I saw your band play everywhere. Yep. Calgary, Edmonton, Edmonton. Saskatoon, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. No, not Saskatoon. Regina, yeah. Winnipeg, Thunder Bay, Ottawa. Yeah. I've been. <laughs> I've seen some shows. Yeah. Definitely. With several bass players. There's not, yeah, yeah. several bass players, but always the only drummer, Tim. It's the only drummer I remember <laughs> seeing with you, man. And drummer Carl. Yeah, drummer Carl, drummer mainstays in, mm-hmm. our, in our bands. It's too funny. Yeah, I remember one, specifically one of the uh, ones that stands out was um, uh, Stampede. We were in Stampede uh, in Calgary for days off, and I got when you were playing in town, and I was like, we gotta go find Bernsey. And I think the text I got was like, I've thrown up three times today. <laughs> I threw up at the Palliser Hotel in Calgary. I just cut my shit and set short. Because we played the Palomino all afternoon. Right. And ate and drank. And then I went to go play a solo thing at the Palliser. I was like uh, sweating and freezing cold. Yeah, yeah. All while I had a day, so I had a break. And then I remember we hooked up with you guys in, uh, in Quincy. Was Quincy was yeah, playing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You were with Jim. Yeah, she had the uh, back then. I think she had Sherry. Sarah, Ray, Sherry, and, uh, and who's the chick drummer? I, I don't remember. We had played Soul Fest in Twin Butte with them. Quincy band, though. They were good. They were a tight band. I haven't seen them. I don't think since then. Good peeps. So six years you've been traveling, your own thing. Sean mm-hmm. Burns solo bands, duos. He had a great duo with Chris Ulrich. From, yeah, uh, very lucky from Winnipeg. What? Um, does any one of those appeal to you more than the other? Is it like you enjoy them both to get a break from the other one? Is it just a finance decision to do solo versus band, duo? Uh, I think it'd be really nice to have a band uh, all the time, but that's expensive. Mm-hmm. And then you you also got, you got more people around and people to worry about. And, and people don't respond to being... People respond differently to being on the road, yes. as you know. Uh, the duo has been the tightest show, the most well-received show, the easiest to travel with. Great. And Chris is, you know, I'm about eight and a half years older than Chris. Probably you can book yourself in a more of a variety of venues with that duo as well. Yeah, there's been some rooms where, you know, there was one place we played in Chicago a couple times last year where uh, we'd had really good shows. And it was kind of the kind of place where you got to sort of earn your way to the, the room downstairs. Mm-hmm. And after the second time, they asked us to play there. And it's like, but you kind of need a band to do that. And it's like, well, I can't bring a band just for that. Yeah. Or you got to find guys that live in town. Okay. And it's like, then, you know, well, then what are they going to be like? Do they do the, the homework? It's like sort of like you just got to uh, find uh, the places to play. But with Chris, it's definitely um, provided more of like a, a direction and a yeah. purpose to the show. And Chris is really good at being like why are we playing here? Why are we playing there? Why are we doing this? It's like, but here's why. Sometimes it's like, because I need to make a few hundred bucks on Monday night, so we'll to play pay, here. To pay your to ass pay you. for the next two nights. Uh, other times it's like, he's right. It's, it's like, well, we don't, let's benefit. just not play here. Let's not do it. And and after touring with him, then we, we feel really confident in the show. It's like, we don't yeah. need to do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm really lucky to have him he's quite in demand that's a learning curve too eh? it's it's weed, weeding out those uh those gigs where you know you're in there and you're like oh why are we doing yep. this like all oh, right 100 bucks for whatever and but then after a while it becomes like no nope why am doing i doing that yeah i'm not i'm not and then it becomes i'm not doing that yeah so and it's, it's like curve. Uh, maybe i've grown up or got a little smarter but it's like you know uh 
you also want the people that are with you to be motivated to want to work for you and yeah. do their best. And so, you know, if he says maybe we should reconsider, it's like maybe you're right. Like maybe if he's going to say this show is like good enough, maybe we don't need to do this. And then, you know, then what sort of starts happening is like then you get, you know, more calls, better calls, better right. gigs. And then you, you've created a demand for the product. And Yeah, it is funny the last I mean, took some time off there um, touring and whatnot I found the the magic of saying no has, oh. has been a, a strange appeal to people yep. to want to pay you more and give you better uh, and it's not even you're, you're not asking for anything unreasonable you're no. just you know you're it's asking like, for what you're worth yeah you know uh, I had this talk with you several years ago where you said I told the guy this is what the band costs and if he doesn't want to pay it then he doesn't have to pay it yeah we and don't I was have like, to I was play like, there wow that's awesome. <laughs> because if you don't do that, then you're not you're gonna do the same yeah, shit all the time. Pe- then people will pay you. You'll be that guy that does the shitty yeah. shit all the time, and and that's hard to shake. Yeah. And that's even you know I, I didn't tour for a year, and then we came back out, and I was like there was people there, and we played nice shows. Like hey, let's build on this. What and, did you do that year that you weren't touring? Uh, played at a uh, played some shows at home. I moved to Winnipeg and I was sort of trying to like make it happen. And and Winnipeg's a tough nut to crack. Mm-hmm. I was lucky I knew those guys from the F holes and I met a lot of other people. So we sort of focused on playing at home. I played, I did some uh, Johnny Cash tribute right with stuff your man. With your my man dad was in that band. Yeah, my dad was in the band, so I did that to play with him for a few months, and that was cool. Was it fun. Um, <laughs> that's not the, I wasn't expecting a big the pause there. Gigs were great. The venues were like top flight theaters. Yeah. We played like big casinos, and we spent like a week in Vegas and shit yeah. like that. And uh, that all that was cool experiences. There wasn't really good people in the group, but no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't what you'd prefer. No, to my fun. dad's dad's is, you know, it was a band leader. It was sort of like <laughs> the magic of like father son to me was kind of like. Not no, so magical. Not so much. Like mm. I'd rather just jam in the basement at his house, you know. Uh, Less of a job situation. Yeah, it was cool though. There was moments that were pretty cool. But so you did that for a while, then you go back to your thing. So you've been pounding out um, six years, seven years of, of road stuff yep. doing the Sean Burns show. Mm-hmm. So whatever. What? Uh, well, I, I'll be I'll be really straight up. But how much longer can you do that? Well, there's a long way to go. Yeah. I well, think there's a long way There's to always go. a long way to go. Do you feel like you have uh, a lot of time left in you? Do you feel like, uh, I need a break from this? Or is, it that, is that a day-to-day thing where one day is better than the next, like any job? Or is There's it, really hard days. Yeah. Um, You're not beat yet. No, not at all. Uh, there, there was a moment really recently where I was really like... Uh, put back at the fact that there was all these people in this art center theater in sundry Alberta that had spent $30 each to come see us play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, well, this is way too nice of a room and nice of a gig. Like, why are these fucking people here to see us? Like, they're paying. And then Chris and I had like a, a real moment and I, I had to go and I went in the car and I sat there for a little while and I was like, I came back in like, like, like the she like the, the ready to give it to the them. freight train that Sheila Rock explained. I was like, <laughs> let's go, and we did a did our probably our best show. And then after that, it was like there was never any question. It was like uh, 
but we just have to keep doing this because if it's if it's like if I if if, if it's on the right track. It just feels like on the right track. But you, we need to we need to travel more outside of the country. Like it's great to go yeah, and play these places. D- you've done some stuff in the yeah, states already. Yeah, we did two in the states last year, and we're going to do a lot more next year, I think. Yeah. I think, and and then how some do you other find stuff. the crowds uh, down there reception wise? Are they are they are they there at all? When they're there, are they into this kind of like hybrid country folk? Yes, thing? and we found places where it was sort of more suitable than others. Of course, like we're not gonna. We're not going to go on the road. Like, we could go on the road and play, you know, 15 or 20 shows in, like, California somewhere, but it's not going to be L.A. or San Francisco. It'll be, like, Bakersfield. Does, that, does that matter, though? No, not to me. Uh, I, that's not what we do. It's like uh, we do our thing, and the places where we did well, were, it was great. We had a good, real good run. And why and wouldn't you go back to the places you did? We were going to go back to those places. We had real good shows in Chicago and Wisconsin, a couple in Texas that were good. We did pretty good in New Mexico. Um, you know the Midwest you know like yeah. uh, so we need to pound that out more uh, there's way more places to play I was going to say it must be a godsend like not having to drive six <laughs> hours between yeah, games drive two you know and, uh, and the other thing is is like no no one knows who we are it's like if I come back out here it's kind of like well where's the where's new record it's like like they got a few records that no one's heard down there, so they just keep coming down. And, you and you know? take them one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I looked online; you have three of those. Like, oh, no, 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 just one. You need to get like an American website. Shoppers.com. <laughs> yeah, just redirect you. Yeah, so I brand think new the, album. The audiences were really good. They have a different appreciation for live music. I have always thought that American bands approach playing gigs much more like it's a show mm-hmm. which is something that we've been kind of focused on ourselves because the idea that people pay money to come and see you like they they deserve their money's worth yeah they can throw a cd on at home mm-hmm. those and that's like a big thing i took from like the springsteen school is like you are lucky to do this they're paying money mm-hmm. you need to make sure that they're they work hard it. for their money yep and they're going to give it to you and you can't phone it in. You might feel like shit, but you know, the paramedic might feel like shit too. And he's yeah. gonna do his job. Like yeah. so, yeah, I'm not saving anyone's life, but like, uh, well, maybe you know, yeah, that's, that's saving my own that's, life. You know, and yeah, let's not discount the. I mean, it's, the, big, the it's a powerful thing, especially with you know, there's certain songs or certain things that people can relate to it, and that's you know, uh, Americans like tipped tipped musicians for their service. Yeah. You know, one there's one gig we didn't. Someone came over and said, "You guys don't have a jar." Yeah. I said, uh, no, the guy brought a jar over, put some money in. It's like, there's often gigs where he's like, Here, "Here's your hundred dollars," but then there's like three hundred dollars in this jar. Tip jar, yeah. And also, uh, never any. Uh, you owe us thirty bucks for those cheeseburgers and beers. Yeah. It was just like it's it's your taking care. Of it. yeah. yeah, that was a different thing in the state. There is places like that in Canada, um, but there's a lot more places that are venues and places that know how to host music. Yeah, in the United States, that's what I found. Yeah, there's a difference between uh, owning a bar and hiring a band mm-hmm. uh, versus presenting music. Yeah. When you actually, and you know, I mean, you know how many bars you've gone into. You know when you're walking into a music venue and when you're walking into a place where you're going to play music in a venue. Yeah. You know, they're not the same thing. Oh. You know, you see a place that's got, like, the corner cleared away with the shitty PA system and, like, a lamp versus, like, it doesn't have to be a stage, but obviously there's, like, a clear indication that there's a performance space. Mm-hmm. And it's not... Uh, 
you know, it's not, uh, you're not strictly selling beer on Budweiser's. We played in Priestville, Saskatchewan, and they had uh, a light, like, on a string. It's one single red bulb, and it, w- it wouldn't reach the, the outlet. And it was sort of dangling, and we had to, that was, that was the light show. And we had to bring our own PA. Yeah. And it, it, one of the guys got sick. And, uh, yeah, it was like, you're just an afterthought. Yeah. And I like that, though, hey? Like, I still enjoy... I enjoy the, like the eating shit sometimes, like, because it sort of gets you the well, gets you back in check. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about that beautiful soft cedar yeah. menu in Airdrie. When you do a venue like that, and then the next night you go and play like where the stringy light bulbs hanging uh-huh. down, and it's like, man, I love that gig last night. Yeah, and then you and you do the gig, and it's like, you know, well tonight's gig sure wasn't last night's gig, but you know what? I'm gonna appreciate the next time I get a gig like that and do an even better job yeah. it's just a taste of the big leagues it's like getting called up to the, yeah. to, to the team yeah, like when, when you go back to the farm team you, you work hard yeah, we're way harder and it's like but part of me is like you're not we're not playing those rooms every single night on the tours mm-hmm. and even the tours that are shorter you still gotta fill in space yep and one day you won't have to fill in space right with those but I'm willing to fill in space I still got time left. I remember saying someone's like, I'm, I'm going to eat shit till I'm 40. And someone told me, my friend Spider Bishop in Calgary, I came back from BC. Legend. He was on my way to, yeah. Ended up and rolled into Calgary, defeated, broke, tired, and long way to go. And he's like, you have to keep going. Said, you have to keep going because people, the pe- people that keep going are the people that make it, that make mm-hmm. it happen. And make it, I don't know what that means, but be, I mean, playing nice places all the time for people that give a shit yeah and he's like you know how many people have quit since you started being on the road how many of those bands you see all those all the same gigs and they got some traction and then all of a sudden they're no longer around where is that person yeah. you know where is jenny omnicord today <laughs> <laughs> i remember her poster everywhere we, we used, on that first tour and it's like we I used, Caroline used to laugh it's like well, surely if we keep doing this long enough, the other people will just die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you... And, and be the last guy there. Yeah. And it's like... If that's what it takes. If, it, if I have... To, if, it has, if it takes, you know, seven, eight more years before I can confidently, comfortably go out and play all those rooms, then what I What if have it takes 20 more years? I feel like by the time that I get to that point, all the other stuff will have been worth it. I'll have all this other ammunition for songs and stories and jokes, and it'll be like, I sweat it out, and I made it happen for myself I did it I'm there like but I'm ready for the struggle it's hard sometimes but it's like you say something you gotta have a, you gotta really have a good sense of humor about it yes that, you know uh, there'll be times though but it's also smarter I'm not going on the road for like seven months of the year I'm doing shorter runs and, and I'm playing music in Winnipeg and I'm like you know doing a lot of sideman work yeah I'm playing I'm playing in like uh, playing with Little Miss Higgins playing with her band yeah. which is great it's a really nice departure and you know, playing this little surf band for fun, and I book some other bands on the side, and so that's key, man. I, I that's one of the big th- revelations I had a, a few years ago. Was like I had all my eggs in one basket, and I didn't have a little thing here, a little thing there to yep. get a little bit of enjoyment from. When the other big thing was being a pain in the ass. You know? mm-hmm. So that's what I've learned over the past little while, and that's the smartest thing if you can have like, you know, have a couple different projects, have a main focus, have a side man gig, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, know? it's nice not to. Uh, have to send the emails yeah and sing all the songs and yep. be the one responsible it's just nice to like yeah, make sh- sure you're at work on time and, and you look good and no, you're ready no, to go yeah know the part yep do the job that's nice and that really gives me a new appreciation for the people that I do hire 
that are the real pros. Well, appreciation and an expectation mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if uh, some young kid you hired to play bass uh, blows it at a gig, uh, but he goes and sees you playing with the Miss Higgins and you nail it out of the park, then yeah. he might be like, oh, that's what we got to do for his gig, man. Or that's, yeah. what, you know, that's why, you know, that's why I'm not getting gigs because I'm not doing that. But yeah, that's a valuable thing for sure. She gives us a long leash too, but you know, if you don't bring it, you're, you yeah. hear about it. It's yeah. great. Yeah, well, it's great as a band leader should be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, that's that's some good stuff in there. So you're not done yet. You did the struggle's worth it. You're yeah. You know, still still got fire. Still ready to roll. Gotta have the fire. Yeah. Gotta. Uh, no one's gonna buy it if you don't. There's gotta be some balls. Some, I guess you know if it's like sounds really cheesy, but if it's coming from the heart. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's the nicest compliment, and that's the compliment that we've received with the duo, especially is like, you yeah, know, you yeah. obviously you guys obviously mean it. It's like, yep, and that comes across. Yeah, you, you might not like sing or play the best that night, or ever, but like, you know, yeah. That's why if you get great songs and you're a shitty singer, for me is like, but I mean that's 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 still like Chris Christopherson and Bob Dylan. Still got to deliver the songs, right? but you still got to deliver the songs and like. And you, you see, gotta, you see you Dylan or Christopherson play like. Ah, I saw Dylan twice. They mean it. I saw Dylan twice in the span of four days in, uh, I guess like two thousand nine or something. Yeah, and uh, it was great. It's great. This guy is you know seventy at the time or you know, something whatever, and uh, still giving it. Still playing, great stuff. Yeah, the band was great. It was a show. He's still amusing himself. Is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what was apparent to me. I've seen Dylan a number of times. That was the biggest thing at the end of it. I was like, he's obviously enjoying this somehow because why else would he do it? Doesn't need the money. Definitely doesn't probably likes hanging with the boys and likes playing music on the bus and playing songs. Likes messing with people's minds. And yeah, and, and doing tunes. whatever. Like I remember he played Chimes of Freedom, and I was like, it took a long time to know what he was playing. And I was yeah. like, that's a that's a classic solo Dylan yep. tune. And it had the band. It was awesome. And people know he's going to do that, and they buy the tickets anyway. Yeah. Because they just want to be in the same room as the guy. And they came out to do their encore. They did like a Rolling Stone. Hit the snare. It was like, it was like a cannonball. Yeah. They had turned it up. And I remember being like, and it, uh, yeah, those were that was like a, a real great moment. Yeah. I didn't know what the tickets cost, but it didn't matter. Worth it. Yeah. Definitely worth it. <laughs> Well, speaking of tickets and costs, should we go see Scott Nolan? We spent twenty dollars to go see Scott Nolan from beautiful Winnipeg, Manitoba. We didn't spend twenty dollars to sit here drinking Miller Lite and eating uh, weed cookies. Just <laughs> doing some work here. Yeah, Scott Nolan. We need to go see Scott Nolan. All right, he's uh, it's a treat. I got a Winnipeg Jets shirt on. I I was gonna have to tell you about that. I'm earlier. representing. I guess. Oh, that's why you have your Jets shirt on because yeah. you're sucking up Scott. Sucking up, just representing for Scott. You know, make sure he knows. Make him feel at home. Make him, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, what's What's immediately in the future for you? What's coming up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got a show next week in Winnipeg. Uh, this This will probably air later this month. Yeah, so. I am gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be in Alberta in July to play a little festival and do a couple things with Calgary Stampede again, Beauty. the world famous Calgary Stampede, and then Bombatron. Chris and I do a little duo tour mid September to mid October from Winnipeg to. Victoria Tofino actually to Tofino Beauty. and back and we'll do that and nice. then uh, hopefully I think next year there's some some things happening that we're, we're talking about so well thanks very much for Thank doing you. this I appreciate it and uh, let's go have some fun you got it
that's my buddy Sean Burns. Uh, wonderful conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed chatting. Uh, please go to seanburns.ca and check out uh, what he has to offer there. Uh, the latest uh, effort is called Rocket Ships and Lemon Trees. And I'm going to finish today's episode with a cut from that album called Cup of Tea. Uh, once again, thanks for tuning in to Therapy Hour. I'm your host, Ross Nielsen. We'll see you next month with another uh, conversation where we try and scratch the surface, folks. Uh, here we go, Sean Burns, Cup of Tea. Have a great one. For the kids and me Worked at the Ontario Hydro Company But his mind started slipping He'd go into the kitchen He couldn't make a cup of tea He married her Back in 1947 Mama took one look at her She said, boy She ain't getting into heaven Played the banjo, he talked in his sleep. But he got up every morning, went to work five days a week. Landy did his best for the kids and me. Worked at the Ontario Hydro Company, but his mind started slipping. He'd go into the kitchen, he couldn't make a cup of tea.